Welcome to the Jeff Knows Inc. Show with your host, Jeff Lopes, where we bring you the world's top athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, influencers, and their journeys to success. This podcast is brought to you by Cast Us. Have you ever spent the time to ask your customers how easy it was to navigate through your website? The reason I'm asking is 47% of customers expect your website to load in less than two seconds. Retailers lose an estimate $2.6 billion every single year just because their website is too slow and not easy to navigate. You have to realize your website is your virtual representation of your traditional brick and mortar. It's almost like your salesperson 24-7 telling your customer a story about your brand. By having your website streamlined to offer the best user experience, you're able to be more efficient with your time and resources for your customers. Castus is a team of business developing experts that enables a B2B e-commerce to streamline the relation between your wholesalers and your resellers. They create custom digital storefronts that cater to both your products and your buyers to drive online orders and strengthen your brand loyalty. Castus in-depth experience working in the back-end logistics to front-end customer experience and everything in between makes them the perfect full-cycle partner for your business growth. Visit their website, castusglobal.com forward slash Jeff Knows to set up a non-obligation one-on-one free consultation with one of the experts to learn more. That's C-A-S-T-U-S-G-L-O-B-A-L.com forward slash Jeff Knows. That's J-E-F-F-K-N-O-W-S. This episode is brought to you by Monk Pack. Monk Pack is a low sugar, gluten free, and non GMO nutrition bar that tastes absolutely delicious. The team at Monk Pack was kind enough to send a massive care package to my house. My wife, my kids, we all live a healthy lifestyle and we all absolutely love the bars. These bars only contain one gram of sugar, making them the absolutely perfect snack. Anyone trying to cut down on their carbs without sacrificing taste, this has to be your number one choice. Monk Pack comes in a variety of flavors, hands down. My favorite is coconut cocoa chip. Lately, I've been finding myself grabbing one of these healthy bars on the way out for a breakfast alternative instead of grabbing a bowl of cereal full of tons of sugar. One thing I love about these bars is not only do they taste absolutely amazing, but they have that soft, chewy texture. It reminds me almost like a candy bar or even a sugary snack I'd have as a child. So with Monk Pack, you get the best of both worlds. A great tasting snack without the unhealthy high sugar content. Right now, Jeff Knows Inc. listeners get a total discount of 20% off their first purchase of Monk Pack product. All you have to do is visit MonkPack.com and use the coupon code JeffKnows at checkout. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K dot com. Pick your product and use that coupon code of Jeff Knows. That's J-E-F-F-K-N-O-W-S at checkout to save 25% off your first purchase. We are live. We are live on the Jeff Knows Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lopes. Super excited to have on today, James Lowe. What is up, brother? Hey, man. Good to see you. I'm in California. You're in Toronto. Let's go. <laughs> we met through a mutual friend, uh, uh, Big yeah. Bad Brad, and uh, it's going to be a fun conversation. Uh, James is all about baseball. I'm all about baseball. Uh, usually, I've had a couple of baseball guests on in the past, and uh, this is a different angle because uh, James is uh, an instructor, and we're going to learn a little bit about his history and have a fun conversation today. So, Let's start off, man. Where did baseball start with you? What age and how did you fall in love with baseball? Yeah, so I uh, grew up in North Carolina. Uh, I got two older brothers and and a dad. 
that really taught me the game of baseball. We spent hours in the backyard playing with a tennis ball or a, a broomstick, whatever we could get our hands on. Uh, and then mom uh, would call us in for dinner and we'd have to clean our shoes off from the Carolina red clay. And, uh, and, and that was my childhood. I, I watched a lot of Chicago Cubs games on WGN. I, I became obsessed with sports at a young age. And then um, as I uh, got into high school, I, I narrowed it down from, from basketball and football and soccer and baseball to uh, baseball and uh, got to college um, got got into a place called Brown University. Um, I don't know how because I mean I I worked hard in school, but uh, it's so hard to get in there, especially these days. But I snuck my way into an Ivy League school, and the reason I went there is I thought I had a chance to uh, play four years. I wanted to start all four years uh, at a college, and I got that opportunity. Uh, so I played outfield uh, four years there, and then. I was ready to go play pro ball. That was my dream as a kid. And, and here we go. Who's calling? And the phone did not ring. <laughs> and, uh, and so I had to kind of take a detour. And uh, the detour has kind of led me to my destiny. Um, and, and that's coaching kids. I, I moved from, from Providence, Rhode Island, straight to California at the age of 22. And I had a buddy that was doing baseball camps and I said, well, that sounds fun. I, I like kids. I like coaching. I love baseball and I have no idea what I want to do with my life. So I uh, moved out West and, and started coaching and, and had other interests uh, out of college. You know, I studied theater arts and I studied writing and I studied uh, improvisation. I was in a band. So I had all these artistic, creative uh, loves. Uh, and then, and then I played baseball. So uh, L.A. seemed right. You know, let's go there. Let's let's audition. Uh, let's play uh, drums and in, in a few different bands. Let's wait tables. Let's substitute teach. Let's pay the rent somehow. And and the thread, the common thread through all of that in my 20s was this baseball gig was coaching baseball. And I really treat my 20s as my grad school. That's where I learned how to had a coach. That's where my name, Jimmy Ballgame from college, that was my nickname in, in college, turned into Coach Ballgame. And, and I had some really good mentors, uh, a teammate of mine from Brown, Dan Spring, who still coaches baseball in the L.A. area. Uh, he and, and a guy from Stanford, Sean Flicky, they really mentored me. They showed me uh, what a great coach can do. Like a good coach can change a game, but a great coach really tries to change lives. And, and so uh, they taught me how to make it fun and, and look through the lens of building character as opposed to having to win a little league game. And, um, and then I met my wife and, and we, uh, we moved to Orange County, California, and, and she gave me that shove that I needed to, uh, to do what I do now, which is coach ball game. And that's just coach camps all summer and, and coach these things called sandlots uh in the evenings uh, they're after school programs and it's really taken off that's in a nutshell let's let's talk about a couple things there when you said making the game fun i mean if you look at a lot of coaching nowadays and a lot of the younger generation when you talk about anywhere from 9 to 13 or 12 are you a believer into playing multiple sports or just really focusing honing on into one Hundred percent, yeah. Multiple sports. I, I always use Mike Trout as an example. Yeah. Um, how how is he such a great 
outfielder now. Well, he was an all-state basketball player in high school. Uh, how was Jackie Robinson uh, able to steal so many bases and be able to play so many different positions? He was a four-sport athlete at UCLA. Um, when you're specializing in one sport too early, A, uh, they get burnt out, like mentally. You know, uh, mentally, they're like, oh, this just feels like work. It's the same thing over and over again. Uh, I, I think I'd like to go swim or play ping pong or just be a kid. So um, really adamant about pushing multiple sports. Um, and then secondly, what happens is you get so uh, dialed into just that one lane that when you get to college, when you get to minor league ball and a coach asks you to take a good step, uh, with your left foot on a, on a fly ball to right center, you don't really have that tool in your tool pouch to say, Ooh, I did this playing outside linebacker in football, or I did this playing defense in basketball. So you gain so, uh, so much from, from just playing all the sports and, uh, and then st- seeing what sticks and, and, you know, the kids will tell the parents what they love. You don't really have to push them down a certain road. They're going to let you know pretty quick, uh, by their, um, by their physicality and and body language. And, uh, you know, man, I really want to go play basketball right now, dad. I love this game. Let's do it. As opposed to, you know, walking slowly towards uh, the, the soccer uh, pitch. And, uh, and, and I don't think I like this game. They'll let you know what they love and then, and then just push them to chase that as hard as hard as they want to. But yeah, I, I would say play multiple sports into high school. I had to narrow it down. Uh, from a three sport, basketball, football and baseball, uh, when I got to 11th grade, just football and baseball, uh, because I saw the writing on the wall. I, I, uh, baseball was going to be my ticket to college and basketball made me uh, I was late for basketball because of football. And then I was late for baseball because of basketball. So I narrowed it down to two. And, and then freshman year of college, I narrowed it down to one. But there you go. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Yeah, very, very cool. Let's talk about, uh, there's a lot of things I want to talk about with you today. I think you'll have some knowledge on. A lot of people, when they get drafted, um, they don't, or their their goal for making to the majors and getting drafted or coming out of college and getting drafted, they don't have a true understanding of the minor league system and how grueling that could be. Um, I'm assuming you've had friends that have gone through the minor league system. Yes, yeah, I've, I've had I've had many friends too that have gone through the minor league system. Let's talk about it a little bit because I, I was actually look, talking to a couple um, uh, single A and double A guys um, that I was actually going to get on the podcast because I wanted, I guess, the audience to understand the gruel they go through and how hard it is and those hotels and those motels and and two three guys in a room and 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 getting a five dollar budget on on food and living off macaroni and and whatever you possibly can to get through. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how grueling and how difficult it is to make it 
up through the system through the A, double A, triple A. Well, when you get triple A, you, you're 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 pretty close. But the single A, it's a high single A and the double A level. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can't speak from experience, but I've listened uh, to a lot of friends talk about it, and um, it you have to have another job. That's one a, you got to have another job in the off season because yeah. you're really just getting food money and you are living out of a suitcase. So all of my friends, they got jobs uh, coaching high schools or middle schools or, or kids camps or Lowe's hardware or painting, you know? So um, that just comes with the territory in those early stages uh, of it. And then, yeah, the, the grind is real and, and you, you have to be, in love with it. Uh, and, and you really have to love how hard it is. You have to love that process of how difficult the grind is. And I think if you, if you love that process, if you love taking buckets and buckets of ground balls and, and, uh, you know, batting practice off the tee, uh, like when you're not working at the grocery store to pay rent, um, if you love that grind, then you're, you're ready for it and, and you've got a shot, but you know, uh, we all know the percentages, the, out of a hundred kids, you see at a, a little league game today, zero of them are going to make it to the show uh, out of the thousands of, uh, of ballplayers you see at, at a, at a high school um, all-star tournament, uh, 1% of them are going to make it uh, to the minor leagues and, 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 and no less the major leagues. And then, you know, when you're looking at these college teams right now, uh, maybe 2% of all the teams left uh, in these uh, high caliber colleges will make it to the show. So um, good chance of getting drafted. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't, I, I was a, I was an all Ivy outfielder, but you know, five ten uh, and, and mediocre at everything uh, didn't, didn't get you there. So um, the best of the best of the best will get a shot. And then uh, very few of them will make it. So it really comes down to do you love the grind enough to uh, to deal with the the fast food, lots of fast food, lots of bus rides and all that stuff. But, yeah, th- there's no glamour whatsoever until you get to the show. And then there's no promises you're going to stay there past a week or two weeks or three weeks. So making it to arbitration, making it to a place where you can actually make a living as a baseball player. Um, there's a there's no no doubt about it. It's, it's a gamble, you know, it's a gamble. Let's, let's spend our twenties trying to do this. So honestly, there were so many uh, players that I played with that were way better than me, more talented than me. And they did get drafted and they played a few years of minor league ball. And then they uh, went into a different line of work. I'm kind of blessed that I didn't even get that carrot. uh, You know, that I, I was told, okay, your days are through. You can you can play men's league softball if you'd like, uh, but it's time to figure something else out. And that's why I went down the coaching route. Did you did you have any inspirations even trying to play like an international league or something like that, or you didn't even try for anything like that? I did a little bit. I, I did a little bit of independent ball and just kind of men's league Sunday baseball. Uh, but at that point, it it was. I was ready for a new chapter. You know, it, it wasn't exciting anymore. There wasn't anything. There wasn't a, a regional uh, bid or, or, a, or a college world series, uh, you know, spot yeah. up for grabs anymore. It was just, Hey, let's stay in shape. So uh, I was ready to move on. I love golf. So that's where I get my competitive uh, juices flowing. And, and uh, yeah, it was time to, time to start impacting kids. 
Do you have children on your, of your own? I got two daughters, eight and four, and um, and they're they're uh, they're dancers, and they're dancing right now. And I, I just asked them to be nice and quiet during during a <laughs> podcast. I have a podcast of my own, so they know they call it my radio show, and they have to uh, they have to dance quietly and sing quietly. But uh, yeah, boy, have they taught me a lot about about um, coaching and and just life uh, having an eight and four year old daughters. What is it? What is, what does the word father mean to you? Sacrifice, um, selfless, um, present. Like that's, that's what they're yearning for. That's what they ask for is for you to be present. I always um, say that. I always say that with me, you got to look down at your feet and know where you are at all times, especially around your kids. Oh yeah. You're 24 seven indirectly mentoring them without realizing it everything you say every way you treat somebody else the way you you open a door the way you smile at somebody they're constantly mimicking or, or learning from your process so you're indirectly mentoring them 24 7 so you have to be aware of that and you have yeah. to be present because there's so many stats out there they say between from from birth to pretty much 18 is your time with them i mean they say 80 to 90 percent of the face time you have your kids before the age of 18. So you think of stats like that. And my daughter, I, I got a 14, 16 year old. My daughter turned 16 and uh, she's a high performance dancer. She just actually, I just did a post yesterday. She just did her last uh, competition of the season yesterday. And she's been at dance since she was four years old. So it's, um, you realize that I'm looking at her and she's already at 16 talking about college and talking about where she wants to go. And she's, she's a pure entrepreneur and she's talking about getting out of, out of Ontario where we're from and she wants to head to BC or something for college and all this. And I'm like, Oh God. And I'm like, I probably got a couple more years of, of steady FaceTime with her before she's gone. So you have to be as present and as active as a parent as possible. Like I, I talked to you this morning before I came here, I, I went to the gym with them. They're my workout partners. We actually go to the gym and work out five, six days a week together, all three of us. That's and awesome. It's, and it's, and it's, and it's such a fun thing to do. And, and I'm enjoying every moment of it because I realize it's the time is very short and you got to appreciate and be present with it. So I appreciate that. How long have you been married for now? Uh, I got married in 20. So uh, April 20th, 2013. So we just had our nine year, uh, nine year anniversary. Um, yeah. And we, we met in New York city and uh, she's, she's Tara Jean Lowe, but we call her Mrs. Ballgame uh, because <laughs> she's the brains of the operation um, there. But you brought up something very good about like your kids watching you and mimicking you. And that's what I tell a lot of coaches is, uh, the kids that you coach, um, they're they're going to watch what you do way more than they're going to listen to what you say. So you know the energy you have while you're around them, and and the way you move, and the way you, your face lights up, and and the way you engage. Like uh, they watch, and and that mental picture sticks in their brain way longer than any words you preach to them. So. I'm always talking about that, you know, the, the, the action speaking louder than the words as far as a coach and, and a father. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Let's, let's talk about um, TikTok. I, I'm all over social media. I love social media. I, I really make the most out of social media. TikTok is one thing I haven't jumped on. And, and, uh, and, and Brad's the one that actually, um, first thing he said to me he goes have you seen james's tiktok account i'm like no i'm not even on tiktok i have an account i haven't activated it really use it as 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 i should be using it 
you said in college, um, in past college, you went to um, LA because theater and 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 arts. And this is something you're utilizing now with TikTok. I see through all your videos and stuff like that. Um, how how have you applied everything everything you've kind of learned growing up and and through college to utilize in your TikTok and how you're growing in a lot? Let's talk about that the social media and how you've really utilized social media to build your brand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was late to the party. I was a flip phone guy till like 2015, and uh, and then my wife and my sister in law are like, "You got to get an iPhone. You got to start videoing." you know, these things that you do and, and teach and you working with the kids. So I got one of these iPhones. I I figured out how to use the camera and it started with Instagram. Just, I didn't even know how to post a video on Instagram. And, and, you know, I had to send it to my sister-in-law and she would post it and say, what, what do you want to caption it to be? And, uh, and that started to slowly grow where I would just pause my baseball lessons or I'd pause my camps and we'd have water breaks and I'd have somebody hold up the camera and I just, teach him how to uh, chew a sunflower seed or teach him how to, uh, you know, have a batting stance or, or, or grip a baseball correctly. And then I just post those and slowly, uh, but surely, you know, the, the followers started to rise and my friends would um, comment on and say, this is great. This is different. You, you, you approach coaching differently. So uh, I really set my mark uh, on my brand with the Instagram. And then a buddy told me about TikTok, and I was like, why do I need to do the same? Why do I, I'm already doing it on this button. Why do I need to use a different button to do the same thing? And he's like, just trust me. So I got into that maybe two years ago and the engagement and the followers are triple uh, Instagram as far as what I do. You know, I, I use a lot of movement and, um, you know, fun dance, catchphrases, song, art. It's all a great mix. So I'm what I'm able to do with coach ball game uh, when it's just me and 50 kids is marry all my interests. I have drums that I use. I'll put a drum in the on deck circle. I sit on a cajon drum and I throw batting practice and I'll beat on that drum um, just to just to liven up the party. Uh, I love film and and television. And, uh, you know, I learned from director friends how to edit and really taught myself how to use iMovie and, you know, now with TikTok and Instagram, how to edit video on the phone. And I'm able to uh, kind of create these uh, instructional videos. I'll go in my backyard and, and, okay, how do we, how do I teach an eight-year-old how to throw a baseball? How do I teach a five-year-old how to throw a baseball? How do I teach a four-year-old how to catch a baseball? And I, I noticed there was this space where people had no idea, even pro baseball players had no, how do I teach a four-year-old how to catch or throw? So with that wide open space, I, I created this, this kind of this brand of video content where I can solve a problem. And with every video I post now, I'm like, okay, what problem can I solve? And, and uh, the problems come into my email, you know, people email or message me, Hey, I'm having trouble with my kid dropping his bat. You know, he swings under the ball or he's chopping over it or he uh, has no confidence in the game Uh, practice. He he seems very confident. So um, I'm able to hit on the psychology of of coaching kids and and the X's and O's uh, with with the uh, TikTok and Instagram. And what it's created is is a nationwide and, and even up to Canada where I was just in Toronto, uh, Sandlot tour, uh, where folks reach out in Toronto and say, I know you're in Can- uh, California, but 
we could use you know what you're doing uh, with this sandlot idea of just making the game fun and building character and specializing in skill development you don't even keep score you don't have umpires there's no uniforms you don't even need real equipment uh, we like that message bring it to toronto bring it to new york city bring it to uh, oregon wherever it might be so i've hit about 25 different states so far um and and i have boots on the ground that have seen my tiktoks seen my instagrams and and said hey uh we'll we'll pay you to come out here uh, just to put on a, a sandlot for our kids and and maybe a clinic for our coaches so it uh, it it it's brought on a life of its own and and i thought you know maybe this would just help a few people teach their kid how to throw the ball and it's it's what it's done is it's opened up um, a nationwide tour, kind of like a band where I can just go from town to town, like Johnny Appleseed and, <laughs> and spread the love of the game. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. We're when you're coaching, what, what advice do you give a T-ball coach besides the start with T-ball? Let's start with T-ball. What, what advice would you give? Because a lot of, a lot of times when you're doing with a T-ball, um, I would say 90% of the time there were parents that are coaching volunteer parents, even, even most, most, uh, even up to a rep level, a lot of them are volunteer parents that get till the kids are 13, 14, when they start getting to a more of a higher level of a rep level or triple A or whatnot. But what advice would you give a T-ball coach starting off for the first time? Yeah. And I've been through that. I, I've coached at that level. I just want to hear your, your mindset with it. Yeah. Cause I kind of break it up into four different. Uh, four different types of players that you might coach. You've got the the newcomer, the four-year-old T-ball player who's never played, but very interested. Uh, you've got the kid that's played Little League, uh, but uh, maybe they're, they had a bad experience uh, or, uh, or they're kind of, you know, just overwhelmed by, by that whole Little League experience. Um, I'll get them to come to my Sandlot as well. Uh, you get that, that travel ball player, that elite player, that's 13 years old and playing every weekend and they're great at the game, but they, they don't realize how fun baseball is. It feels like work to them. And they'll come to my sandlot and say, wow, this is actually fun. This doesn't feel like work. And then that fourth type is that teenager that has never played, uh, but they look over the bushes wearing their blue jeans and they're like, that game looks interesting. I'd like to interact with those other kids. But the the culture of, of baseball when you're, when you're 14 right now is, you better have played for eight years and you better be really good or you're going to be spit out quickly. So uh, those are the four types I see for a T-ball player. Make them want to come back tomorrow. Simple as that. Be the most fun version of yourself as a parent or a coach. And you, you're going to have nine players on your team, nine different personalities. You got to engage and connect with each one. And the way I do that is I come up with a nickname for each kid. So I've got a four-year-old who's uh, dialed in in the first team meeting, giving me uncomfortable eye contact, just a very, very good listener. You know, I might call them uh, Laser Beam. Hey, your, your, your nickname's going to be Laser Beam. Then I got the kid that's climbing the fence uh, that, uh, you know, looks looks like a cat that's uh, chasing a mouse and and. You know, I've, I've got to really engage with that one and say, hey, what's your name? What's your nickname? You don't have one. What's your favorite animal? What's your favorite superhero? And once you start to connect with each of these different kids, then you start to meet them on their own playing field and 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 they'll do anything for you. They'll listen to you. They won't disrupt a team meeting um, and they'll come back tomorrow because because they know you care about them. So 
uh, that's it. They're going to hit the ball and chase the ball. They don't really know the rules of the game, and that's fine. Your expectations need to be super low for that t-ball player. But uh, can you make baseball so fun with water balloons and and whatever you know uh, kids love in in your on your team? Uh, bring that you know skittles, bubble gum, uh, whatever. Um, then the, then you've done your job. And then if you can build their character. If you can, if you can teach them how to listen and be kind to others without them even realizing it, that's like extra credit. So that's that's the T-ball. I didn't even get into skill development or or winning games because those are down the list for me, especially with that T-ball player. When do you? What age do you start to really hone in on developing the skills and and? I mean, with our program here in, in, in Brampton here, um, uh, we have a gentleman named uh, Frank Fascia, which is the president of the league, and he's he's really into the development, right? He's really into, I mean, it's 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 you go from AAA all the way to select to house league. Um, there's structured programs for each level. There's 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 certain from arm care to like there's there's a level all the way through that we that, that everybody follows. What what age do you do you feel like that you kids need to really start honing on on obviously arm care and, and other other aspects of the physical activity and really really toning in on on really really their skill level it really increasing what age would you focus that on? Yeah, it's a multifaceted question, but um, I, I do even with the three year olds and I start them at three. I'll teach them one simple thing about catching which yeah. I call high five or meet, squeeze and freeze where, you know, kids love to catch the ball like yeah. this. So I'll just teach that one simple thing about throwing. Say, say that again, meet, squeeze and freeze, meet, squeeze and freeze. Yeah. Okay. You know, high five the ball with a meet, squeeze and freeze. And yeah. I have a song for that as well. What's the, what's the song? What's the song? Meet meet the song? It, squeeze it, meet it, squeeze it, meet it, squeeze it, but don't forget to freeze it. And then the kids start clapping to that and then they go home singing that song and their parents are like, what, what is that song? And then they can teach their, their mom or dad what they learned about <laughs> catching a, a ball like that. So um, that's it. I won't teach them anything else yeah. uh, they don't, uh, about throwing. I'll teach one thing about that. Uh, when they get to age six, seven, eight years old, then I start teaching two or three things. Right. So I'll, I'll have the meat squeeze and freeze, but I'll add maybe the footwork or, um, you know, posture, things of that nature. But uh, it moves up the line. Then I then I get get to my nine and 10, 11 year olds. And um, then I can start teaching them things I learned, uh, you know, in college. Obviously, yeah. I'm not um, uh, I'm not overloading them with 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 content. It, it, I want to keep it very step by step because, again, the priority should be this game's so fun that I want to come back tomorrow. So I don't want to overload them with so much uh, lecture on skill that that they're bored or they're like, this is too overwhelming. Uh, no, it's fun, fun, fun. Number two, build their character. So I'm giving out awards for good choices like kindness and respect and, and hustle. Um, I'm not giving out awards for uh, the ball player that hit the most home runs or throws it the fastest. That's great. We're going to acknowledge that, but, but the big awards are, are for character. And then my third priority is skill development. And um, I, I think being able to coach private lessons to the elite player for 10 years prior to starting this, this kind of niche of, of Sandlot uh, baseball. 
it, it, it really gave me a good base on when, when are kids ready to learn, you know, uh, the skill of throwing a four seam fastball or a two seam fastball or long tossing or, or driving the ball to the opposite gap. And it really depends on the kid. Some kids, uh, some kids are ready to long toss uh, earlier than others. I think you really have to connect with each one and, and kind of see where they're at. But I, I always lean towards simple is better. Well, let's teach let's teach the simplicity of the game instead of big steps when we hit. Let's spread out wide and let's use our our core muscles. And and when you get on TV, then you can start adding the seasonings that you see Mike Trout do or you see Francisco Lindor do. Like um, let uh, let's let's teach him to crawl uh, before you teach him to walk. So um, you know that that's a roundabout answer uh, to. Um, to your question, I, I know there's not one simple answer to it, but uh, I think if you connect with your players and you understand where each one of them are, uh, then that's the that's a good first step. Do you do you coach um, besides the San Luis? Do you actually coach or have you coached a national team team? No, so I don't. Is, coach is that team something? Teams. Is that something you would want to do eventually? It's possible uh, right now. I have no interest in it, uh, but you know, I, I do like change and, and that could be something cool down the line. What I think would be cool is take one of my Sandlot teams, you know, all these kids in blue jeans and, and I've, I've kind of taught them uh, how to love the game first and then play the game second. And I've taught them how to be good people before I've taught them how to win games. If, if I took that Sandlot crew and, and tried tried to compete against, um, you know, that, that culture that's win at all costs and you got to have the the most expensive equipment and parents are yelling at umpires and coaches are, are, uh, you know, holding on to every, every moment so they can win the trophy. You know, that's a culture that I push back against. I think there's cons uh, that outweigh the pros when, when you're looking at it like that, you're weaning out the non-elite player. You're, you're teaching kids that yelling at umpires and, winning at all costs is, is okay. And, um, and I disagree with it. So um, I'm, I'm pretty separated from that whole culture because I'm trying to change that culture. And um, I'm in the minority. I realize that, but I'd, I'd rather build up kids' hearts than a trophy count. I, I love that. I love that. I mean, you're, you're, you are, I mean, being around the sport, you are in the minority, and I didn't. I think you're you're head on with that, but I I do love what you're doing. Where's your Where's your mindset when you're talking about then like the kids at that competitive level, like Little League World Series, twelve year olds that are that are there on the mound throwing five six innings, 80, 90 pitch count. They just where's your mindset with that? And kids, and especially now, kids, you even hear stories, James. I mean, kids, parents are opting for. Tommy John surgery to their 15 year old. Cause they don't want, they, they're like, let's look at ahead of the game, like crazy stories you hear. And, and where, where's your mindset with that, with parents and, and, and that competitive level at a such a young age. So I, I, I'm not opposed to travel ball or elite play. I think it's necessary for the elite player. Yeah. They need, uh, they need that good competition. Uh, but you, you have to run into the right coach that's more about skill development than winning games. Uh, they're going to need Tommy John when they're 15 if their 12-year-old coach is making them throw 80 curveballs uh, in a Little League World Series to try and win that game. Um, I, you know, I don't really remember how many 
little league games I won. I really don't, but I remember coaches that inspired me to be a better person and and to to fall in love with the game. Again, the cons outweigh the pros when you're just trying to win a little league game. Um, and so you there you have to have those different spaces of of rec ball and league ball and uh, elite play, uh, but it's got to be looked through the right lens of. Uh, we don't need to win today. We just don't. I mean, that doesn't matter. This isn't putting food on the table for me if I win this game. Joe Madden needs to win today for the Angels because that he could lose his job and then he can't pay his mortgage. Um, but not a little league coach. You're trying to build good people. So. If you're looking through the lens of big picture, I want this elite 12-year-old pitcher to be healthy when they're 18 and have the best chance to be the best athlete uh, for that college coach to recruit them, uh, then you're going to hold them to 50 pitches and you're not going to have them catch the second half of the doubleheader. You know, you're going to take care of their bodies and you're going to make sure that they're not burnt out mentally either. Um, if you're, if you're, if you're making it very fun, building their character and looking through that lens, then you're going to create a very good big brother one day and a great, a great father one day, which is way more important than um, a, a little league trophy winner that day. I, I, I love everything you're doing. And it's crazy. I have a couple of letters in my office here. Um, a couple of the boys from the last team I coached. Uh, they all made it up to the AAA level. Um, and and uh, two of them wrote me a letter. And I still keep it here. They hand wrote a letter thanking me for everything I did with them, coaching for three years and stuff like that. Those are, are the kids that would buy you the Christmas gifts and thanking you and writing you letters or sending you a video. So, I mean, those things are so special, right? And it just makes everything worthwhile, everything you're doing. So I, I appreciate that level of it. Where, where do you see yourself going with this? I mean, you're obviously you're doing the Sandlock, uh, you're, you're traveling, you're branding. Um, you're doing apparel now too, I'm assuming? I see your hat. Yeah. Yeah. We got the hats and, you know, uh, my, my wife, Mrs. Ballgame has created attaboy shirts and attaboy hats and attagirl tank tops and things like that just to spread the vibe. I also do a lot of these salutes at my sand lots, like the eye black salute and the head first slide salute, sportsmanship salute and bounce back salute. Uh, all, all the different things you might get an award for a baseball card, good choices. I'll create salutes around. So we're going to get apparel for that as well, but well, where's it going? I've um, I had a great uh, I, I had I had a great phone call prior to the pandemic, and it was from a lady who was about seventy years old, and I didn't know her at all. But I was I was running these sand lots here in Orange County, California, and um, she said, "You don't know me, uh, but my husband uh, just passed away after a long fight with cancer." And he was a teacher and a coach for 50 years. And before he passed away, he saw uh, your documentary on YouTube about your message of creating good people uh, on a baseball field and, and, and creating the next generation of baseball players through the sandlot. And uh, he said in lieu of flowers, he wanted to raise money uh, and send it to you. And I, of course, thought it was a prank call. This has to be a prank call. So I got on the phone with her son, and he's like, there's no catch here. This is what he wanted. So uh, $20,000 later, Venmos are coming in from his former players and his former students. Uh, his name was Dave Schreckengast, and they called him Bupa. And we, we, we created this Bupa Scholarship Fund 
where, where, you know, people I didn't know were sending money to somebody they didn't know uh, because of uh, a message. And me and my wife are, are sitting here looking at this bank account and we're like, what do we do? I said, the best thing I can do with a dollar, the best value I can give to that that $1 bill is to meet a kid and coach them and give them a nickname and teach them how fun baseball is and hopefully show their parent how fun baseball can be if you're looking through the right lens. Well, we decide to go on a Sandlot tour. We, we bring the two daughters, we fly to uh, Dyersville, Iowa, and we do a Sandlot near the Field of Dreams. Uh, then we rent a van and go to St. Louis and do the same thing there. Then to Chicago, Pennsylvania, and New York City. And this was last summer. And what I realized is this message people are thirsty for. They are hungry for just getting on a field for a few hours, cheering loudly, spreading positivity, building character, having fun. Um, People are hungry for it. And I even ran into kids who had quit Little League Baseball because it felt too overwhelming. They'd have panic attacks at the tryouts or, you know, they, they just didn't like the game for one reason or another. They come to the sandlot, they fall back in love with baseball, they ask dad to play catch the next day, and then they try out for their Little League team the next season and they thrive. So uh, I, I noticed there was a problem in youth sports where it's all about win at all costs, wean out the non-elite player, uh, get the best equipment and, you know, Tommy John, when you're 15 years old, I'm like, this is all absurd. I even had a seven-year-old kid come up to me and say, my travel ball coach won't let me play soccer because I got to play baseball year round to be on that team. You, you hear that a lot. A lot. That's nuts. And, and, I hear and, that. and if, that's why I asked, that was the first one of the first questions I asked you today, because you do hear that a lot. Even, I mean, in Canada, I would say the last three years, four years, maybe five baseball has, um, you're seeing facilities open up like indoor facilities because obviously we, we only have three, four months of really good baseball here. So the winter facilities are needed for kids to develop and you're seeing them popping up everywhere. Um, like strict, like you're seeing a lot of high level um players that either played single a or double a that never made it to big leagues like coming out and now running coaching clinics and really 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 honing in their coaching but you're seeing it just popping up everywhere but it's it's at that point where it's 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 developing so quickly but the the amount of um pressure on these kids is growing at a, such a high level, right? You're seeing kids that you said that you're you're seeing kids at like 13, 14, the competitive level is so high that they're 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 dealing with stress, anxiety. Like even when I was coaching, I would see that kids had a they would get anxiety to be up to the plate because it's not fun. It's it's my whole team's counting me to hit. If I don't get on base or if I don't take a walk or if I don't even get hit by the pitch, just get on base. That pressure's there, right? At different at such a high level, such a young age, right? Yeah. So what are we doing here? What are we doing? And uh, it, it became my mission to shine a light on that and say, that's a, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is not, uh, I, I think that coach uh, is fueled by a win or fueled by a trophy. And maybe those parents are, are kind of sucked into this trap. This is what we've got to do. If my kid's going to play uh, high school baseball or college baseball, Incorrect. The cream's going to rise to the top. We've got phones where your 
kid can be a football player and a basketball player and a baseball player. And then somebody takes a video of them hitting a home run uh, and sends it to the coach at Brown University and, and you get recruited from them. Like, uh, what are we doing with this specialization? Um, so it's become my mission to to shine a light on that problem and then change the culture. So um, uh, Thankfully, MLB has reached out and they've asked me to help coach their play ball camps, which is their initiative to grow the game of baseball. And, and when, when did this happen? When did this happen? Yeah, this, so uh, it's that's been pretty, a long pretty, process. It's, it's, it's pretty it's amazing. A gig. It's a great gig. And I, <laughs> I kind of auditioned with them pre-pandemic and yeah. uh, we we uh, we love the partnership. And so um, I'll go to New York City next weekend uh, with MLB and and they just put on these play ball camps. And a yeah, lot of times it's for uh, inner city kids and it's free play. And and I'll just uh, bring my drum and I'll I'll give them nicknames and and teach them how fun the game can be. Uh, but uh, good for you, man. Thank, yeah. Thankfully, they're on board with this yeah. message of of we've we've got to change the culture and we've got to make sure people are educated on their, their uh, message. They've been trying to push that message. If you see their, um, like I'm subscribed to the major league baseball channel. And, and when they do this, they, they have a lot of commercials where it's, they're pushing the fun side of the baseball. They're pushing yeah. the inner cities playing baseball. They're pushing um, because it's, 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 I would say even a lot of the inner cities, Baseball is not even a sport they look at. They look at basketball. They look at football as their their exit out of these these inner cities, right? For these young kids, right? Try to get the college and and get the ticket out for their their families, right? So, um, baseball, I, I I don't know how it is in in the U.S., but I mean from outside looking in, and you tell me if I'm wrong or not. But baseball for years it was almost like a, a, a higher um, a higher level of um, more of an educated crowd or more of a higher prestige crowd of kids would play baseball it's almost like the golf kids the baseball kids it's a different from the inner city where it's like the football basketball am i yeah. right with that was that like that uh, in the past? Uh, and talking to my hockey friends uh same with hockey where it's very expensive it's so, expensive to to play that sport and and people think yeah. baseball is the same way and it's hockey, like you think of hockey a kid yeah. a, a, like a nine ten year old kid has a hundred and thirty hundred and fifty dollar graphite stick that breaks after four games and her parents are buying five six sticks a season right their equipment and, their travel their they, i mean we have friends of ours that um their son plays at a really really high level he's 12 and they're spending 14 fifteen thousand a year Right. Crazy. And I'm, I, I, and I'm complaining. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, my daughter, my daughter's dances anywhere from nine to 10,000 a year at a high level too. Right. But it's sports is very, it gets very expensive and a lot of people can't afford it. Yeah. So, and you're losing I mean, out of a lot of extremely talented young athletes. Cause you just can't be, they their parents just can't put them in that situation. Right. No. And, and then they go play video games or they go, uh, you know, internalize and, and do, do things without the social interaction. And, and, and you're not, there's so many life lessons to be learned from just playing on a team or, or things of that nature. So what's the grand mission now it's to uh, make, make baseball more affordable and, and franchise out these sandlots that I'm doing. Cause as I've noticed uh, when I go around the country, it plays everywhere. People love this, this, this birthday party on a baseball field. So now uh, I want to find great coaches around the land and say, Hey, do you want to, um, you want to run your own sandlot. And even talking to my friends from Brown University who coach hockey, 
how can we make hockey more affordable? How can we start a hockey sandlot? How about with a tennis ball and uh, and tennis shoes on a blacktop and 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 play it that way, uh, where you're not have to renting ice for thousand dollars a day. Started, and that's that's how that we nature. started off. We were having this conversation yeah. the other day, James. Like I grew up. I mean, ball hockey was a thing we played every single day. Like I grew up yeah. where, I mean, we obviously we didn't have phones. We didn't have internet growing up. I'm 45 and you'd get home, you grab a quick sandwich and you're out till it was pitch dark and your mom would be screaming for you to get back in. And I grew up in Toronto, Canada, where we had laneways and every single street, there were so many kids where every street had their own team. And we all grabbed, we had all had the same color t-shirt and we would have teams and have tournaments and have their own Stanley Cup. And every night it was this street against this street. This and we'd have tournaments and we keep record. And this would go on all year. And then it was when it was baseball time, the same, same thing with baseball. We'd find a field and play, or even when we talked to baseball, I was out, I was my, my son plays competitive, but um he was with his friends the other day and they're at the, the at the schoolyard playing and they're like, Oh, we want to play baseball. There's no baseball diamond. I'm like, I, I went there, I went there with him, I grabbed him a bat, I grabbed some chalk. On 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 the brick wall, I did a, I, I literally drew a um, a rectangle, and you have your strike zone. And I said, "That's all it is. Grab a ball. We have a pitcher. You have a hitter, and you guys are keeping score. If it hits it out with a tennis ball, and just have fun with it." And when they started playing, they were laughing and having so much fun with just a tennis ball in the bat and the glove, and they were just yeah, all man. rotating. Right? There just you simple, go. Simple, simple, simple things. Right. I was just in Toronto two weeks ago running a sandlot and we were on a real baseball diamond uh, at a park there in the outskirts of Toronto and uh, a league came by and they're like, we have this field and we're like, okay, we picked up our bases, we picked up our equipment and we walked about 100 yards to a, a dog park, basically, and we put the bases down there and we're like, here's the deal, kids, you can play baseball anywhere, you really can. And the beautiful. Do you know what, what area? Is, you know what area you're in when you're there. I would have to. I would have to look at my flyer. I, I, I've forgotten where it Miss, is. Mississauga. We'll look it up. And, Mississauga, Brampton. Yeah, I, I, it'll take too long on this. Podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. No worries. No worries. No worries. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was uh, somewhere. That was my first time to Toronto. So. Yeah. Um, uh, we moved, we, we just moved a couple yards down and played baseball there. And we used a tennis, we use a tennis ball mostly because, you know, then we can, we, we don't have to be so confined, uh, and we don't have to worry about hurting other people or, or, you know, hitting balls into different practices, but yeah, it, the, the beauty of it is you can play anywhere. You can play with, with some chalk in the backyard, or you can, you can play uh, in a dog uh, park and yeah. the, that dog park. Actually, you could tell it looked like people would play baseball there maybe 50 years ago. There was still the outlines of like a baseball diamond there, yeah. but nobody done it forever. And every town you go to, you there's find those. this soccer field or this old sandlot with a backstop. And yeah. it's like, why is there a backstop there? But nobody's playing, you know? Yeah. Why, why is it just dogs running around? And uh, and it's because we think baseball has to have dugouts and and beautiful foul lines and manicured grass uh, that's ridiculous no so um so many facets to this to this sandlot thing that i'm i'm doing and who who knew it would be novel you know just just promote play promote fun it's play it's it's, it's promoting essentially what you and myself grew up doing right and it, i was I, I was talking about this too also the other day james when i when i moved to my we moved into Sudbury's when i got married i've been married for 19 and a half years yeah a little over 19 and a half years we've been married for and 
when we got married, we moved to the suburbs and uh, it was a new development, new home. And we had a five-year plan to live there. 19 and a half years later, we're still there. There's a reason we're still there. All young couples bought houses there and we all started having kids at the same time. And our kids, and we all had the same mindset of outdoor activity, outdoor playing. Our street after school is kids are out there either playing basketball or either playing baseball or it's it, they're always out there and we all refuse to move and we all stayed at our homes because of just that environment that trust that neighborhood that that community and that was something i grew up with and in my kids um my kids are fitness fanatics so like they'll come home and fight over who's gonna be on the treadmill instead of the video game they don't play video games so it's something it's a culture we've developed from a very young age and i think parents need to start doing that from a very young age and having individuals like yourself to really put that light on on how fun a sport could be. It's not it doesn't have to be competitive. It's so important. It's so, so, so important. So I love, absolutely love what you're doing because I think it's it's gonna really, really make kids more active. Yeah. Obesity, obes- that, obesity is oh. a huge thing that no one's talking about as well for young kids as well. Video games, like you said, video games sitting down in the room playing video games, um, becoming isolated, becoming inverted because they have no socialization, right? Yeah, the towns I go to and I, I I go to you know all over the country, the towns that get behind their rec leagues and get behind their little leagues and, and look through this lens of of inclusivity and get just get everybody playing uh, and being active, those communities thrive, you know. And and it's funny how the smaller the town, the bigger the turnout. I'll go to Arcadia, North Carolina, and I grew up in North Carolina and I'd never heard of that town, and I'll get a hundred kids. But then I'll go to New York City and I'll get nine, you know, or I'll go to Chicago and get 18, even Toronto. You know, it was it was in the it was in the teens. And I get it. Big city. You don't want to drive all the way across town and 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 do something. But uh, these small towns, uh, that's 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 a, a lot of times where everybody knows everybody. And and when when I when I see towns where coaches are going about it the right way and they're trying to bring kids from all walks of life, all skill levels in uh, these communities really do thrive. Uh, so uh, uh, yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot to, a lot to conquer here. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I like, it was funny because as you were talking, the first thing that come like being an entrepreneur for 26 years, I always look at everything as a business too. Right. And as you're saying, I'm like, when are you going to start franchising yourself? When are you going to start bringing coach? And you brought it up. I was yeah. actually going to talk to you about that afterwards. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and, and the, the story of, uh, of, of that family, you know, blindly raising money so we could go on this tour and, and provide free sand lots around the country that was the, that spurred it on. That was like, wow, this plays everywhere. And, and so this, this next summer, uh, you know, people are signing up on our website and paying $40 uh, to, to come. And, and that pays for our flights and hotels and rental cars to get to all these different cities uh, and coach. But what am I doing now? I, I'm, when I leave, I say, okay, who's the heart and soul of this community? Who can take this ball and run with it and, and run a weekly Sandlot game now and, and build these kids character and make it very fun. Um, that that's the new project. And I had a couple ladies at my Salt Lake city, Utah Sandlot. I speaking of TikTok, I had a guy, a, a dad who saw me on TikTok and drove uh, his son out to my orange County, California camp. Uh, Cause he saw me on TikTok. And he's like, hey, I got a big community in Salt Lake City. I think you you could run a sandlot there. Fast forward six months, I run a sandlot there, and I meet uh, two moms who uh, had played softball through college, 
Uh, they have kids of their own and they, they have a chip on their shoulder. They notice there's a problem in this space, in this youth sports culture. It's, it's just heavy and it's negative and it's yelly and it's toxic. And they're like, we want to create a sandlot in our town. So they came out to California. They watched me coach. They asked questions. They brought a notepad out. Um, and they're going to start their own sandlot this July, uh, Coach Ballgame Sandlot in Bear River City, Utah. And I can just see if 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 we if we audition right and we get the correct coaches, uh, then there could be hundreds of these with 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 coaches that maybe they've settled into a job they don't like, you know, and and then they can they can create this impact where you know what I can make a living. Uh, like coach ball game coaching in the afternoons and over the summers. Uh, and, and it's life-giving. It's a job that's life-giving. That's why I do it. Cause I thrive on it. When I haven't coached in a couple of weeks, I got take a week or two off. I miss it. And I get a little down in the dumps. It's like, man, I need, I need that food. So I, uh, I don't see it just being baseball either. I think kickball will be fun. I think hockey with, with a tennis ball on a blacktop, uh, I, I think it can go as far as we want it to go. And now it's just about execution. I hundred percent, hundred percent favorite baseball movie. Field of dreams. He and me and dad, uh, every other Friday night or so put the VHS in, I can quote the whole movie. And then it, it boils down to that last, um, to that last, uh, comment from Kevin Costner. Hey, dad, do you want to have a catch? Like, uh, that's, that's, that's what the movie's about. It's a father son, um, you know, connection. And, and second would be Sandlot. Uh, I got to interview the writer and director of the Sandlot, uh, on my podcast. And, uh, and it was great to hear him break down how he, uh, how he came up with the idea for the movie and, and the relationship in that movie that, that makes that film, um, stand, uh, over time is Benny, the jet and smalls yeah. where smalls is the new kid who, uh, has never played. And in, in, in <laughs> this youth sports you're, culture, you're, you're that kid smalls. would be spit out. He right. You go play video games. You're not a baseball player, but Benny, the jet, the elite player, the travel ball player, the future major leaguer, he, puts his arm around him and he teaches him the game yeah. like that, that can only happen on a sandlot. So yeah. um, that's a, I mean, that that's fuel for me. Uh, it's such a great movie. My, my, my kids have watched, I mean, we've watched all of them, but I mean, the first one is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty special. Oh, yeah. And uh favorite baseball player and if a play for current player and favorite pitcher active, like a uh, field player and favorite pitcher. Cool. Well, I'll, I got to say Andre Dawson, who who's my favorite player of all time growing up, because I was a big Cubs fan and and I just loved watching an Expo, the, man. The That's an Expo. That's a yeah, he was oh, an Expo man. and and then he was a one Cub. Of, I was so happy when he got into the hall. Like one of yeah, one of the greatest great, such an incredible athlete. And I was lucky enough to throw out the first pitch at Wrigley uh on my tour last summer, and I got to you meet did, him huh? and shake his hand. Yeah. That's pretty I, awesome. I have, I've got the picture here and and the ball and they, they how, how did you, how did you set that? How did you set that up? Was it, you reached out to them or they heard about you? How did that work out? That's pretty take awesome. A big, take a big guess. TikTok. They found me on TikTok, and and they're like, I like this, how this guy engages kids. Let's see if he can make some videos on, uh, on, you know, how, how to become the next Cubs fan, you know? So I would do make videos on TikTok, uh, you know, in the, the Cubs social media 
team would would help me kind of write these little scripts out of how to tag like Javi Baez or how to play first base like Anthony Rizzo. And um, so I I partnered with them on the social media side. And then when I passed through Chicago to do my Chicago Sandlot, they said, well, we, we want to invite you to throw off the first pitch. And I was like, you're joking, right? Like I, I'm that's, a lifelong pretty, Cubs fan. That's and, pretty amazing. And, you know, it, when you step into a place like Fenway Park or Wrigley Field, there is just something there's something extra. There's something um, special uh, and and you just feel it. It's a feeling you have right when you step in there and being able to go there and get on that mound. I, they invited me back just a few weeks ago. I did it again and I was able to bring my drum. I have a, a, a Cajon box drum signed by Rod Carew. And uh, I brought that drum out and I started beating on that drum and getting the crowd clapping before I threw out the the pitch. And I, I, I think that's the only time a drum signed by Rod Carew was ever on that mound. So very proud of that fact. Uh, but awesome. uh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, there's some dreamy stuff that, that I've been able to experience and, you know, I, I don't take it lightly. I, I really document every, everything that happens. And, um, I'm writing a book right now called uh, what my friends have taught me because I've, I've met Rod Carew in a gas station and I've met Andre Dawson at Wrigley field. And I've interviewed King Griffey jr. And Ozzie Smith. And um, you know, I've just had some cool things happen. So I, I try to document it. And, how, how, and, how was Ken Griffey? I mean, that's a guy that I would love to get my podcast. I, I, I was a huge, I grew up as a Griffey I mean, 89 upper deck car that they overprinted. I, I was a huge course. Griffey. Huge Griffey fan. Well, uh, my to pal me is Joe, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, in, in our gen, my generation, greatest player. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's my brother's favorite player. I, he was just magnetic and electric and different. Yeah. But my pal Joe Buck, uh, he's opened a lot of doors. He's opened every door with MLB for me, and he yeah, very cool. he got me an interview with King Griffey Jr. at the All Star Game in 2018. Awesome. In and I had heard maybe Griffey's not really, you know, great with the media, things of that nature. Maybe he, you know, he just, he, uh, he was the best. See, I've and heard I, the opposite. I've heard it. I, I've had a couple of people that have met him and said he was just a good down to earth dude. hundred percent. So I don't know who was saying that because yeah, he yeah. gave me, he gave me like 30 minutes and I think he's really passionate about kids and the, and youth baseball. And he's working with play ball and MLB as well. I hope yeah. I get to meet him on our travels, but. Uh, you know, getting to interview him and, and just ask him, Hey, what's your advice to me on being a youth coach? And his word was connect, connect with each player, yeah, uh, engage and connect with each player. So just a great interview. I had, you know, MLB network cameras and, and, you know, other camera folks waiting on an interview with Griffey. And he just kept talking to me about youth baseball and youth sports. And I'm like, they're like, are you doing a documentary with him? And I'm like, he just wants to keep talking about youth sports. Sorry. Um, so that it was super special to meet him. And I've got this conga drum that I try to get every major leaguer that I meet to sign. And he signed it. it uh, so hopefully that big conga will, will get many Hall of Famers signatures on it and then wind up in the Hall of Fame. I love it. I love it. It's tradition, right? You're building certain traditions for yourself and certain, I mean, I, um, years back, uh, maybe five, six years ago, when my, I always said when my son was at a certain age and, and and he, if he loved baseball as much as I do, we would do this together. 
And um, my son from a young age really loves baseball. His only sport he really, really focuses on. He plays other sports, but hot baseball is his passion, right? And uh, we started um, traveling, doing the whole uh, dad-son traveling. So we went to um, Yankee Stadium, caught a home run ball there, which is the most highlight of crazy day we had and we and we do the whole experience we 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 take the whole subway to to the to the to actual venue and back and all that stuff we did um we did Fenway which Zachary said man when in this in the seventh inning when they start they start their seventh inning stretch and it's just that the electric like if there's nothing like Fenway like to me Fenway was just, and so we did Fenway we did Pittsburgh we did the Pirates and and we also do a minor league uh, a triple A or uh, uh, venue as well. So we did um, uh, Myrtle uh, uh, Pelicans, Myrtle Beach Pelicans. Yeah. We always do a minor league and we do a major league uh, stadium every summer. As And we do awesome. a road trip. We do a family road trip away from it, right? And, uh, and then it stopped because of COVID. And COVID was was Wrigley. We were, we had everything planned. We had hotels set, oh. everything for Wrigley. So what's well, a short we're, flight from Toronto, you know, I, mean, so we, you, I like the road trips. They love road trips. I grew up with well, my parents doing road trips. Yeah, yeah. My kids, you know, were two weeks late for school this year because we were doing this trip across America. And I'm like, they learned so much more 100%. going to six different States and meeting six different, you know, uh, types of, of people and seeing, seeing Bush stadium in St. Louis and then seeing uh, Yankee stadium in New York city. And they, they, they just learned so much more on these travels. So good for you. Yeah. We love, we love our, we love our road trips, man. I mean, I always say there's nothing that connects the family more than road trips. I grew up um, my dad, every summer, my parents, uh, my dad was a blue collar I mean, he passed away a year ago. My, and he was my, my, mm-hmm. my, my everything, but uh Every summer, he would blue collar Ford worked at Ford Motors, but he would block all his vacation to the summertime. And every summer, those four week block, we would take off from Toronto, Canada, jump in the car, drive for 12, 13 hours at Cape Cod and, and rent a little cottage on the beach. Every summer for two to three weeks, we'd be on the beach and we'd catch some Cape Cod league games. And it was just this fun time we did every summer. And those road trips were such memories. When my kids were old, and the first road trip we did was Cape Cod. And um, so we do these road trips because there's nothing that builds the memories. Like when we did, when we, when we were in Myrtle beach, um, we, we, on the way there, we stopped in, um, in Virginia to kind of break up. It's a 24, 23, 24 hour drive. It's a long drive. So the break it up, we spent the night in Virginia, uh, West Virginia, I think it was. And we spent the night there at a hotel, a chilled. And then we did the second part of the drive on the way back. We had, we we're having so much fun there in Myrtle beach. That's when we went to the game and we we're having so much fun there that we decided to spend an extra night and we canceled a hotel in, uh, in Virginia. And I said, I'm, I'm just going to go back 24 hours. I'm going to dr- make it all the way back driving. And that drive back, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. My son threw up in the car twice. The car smelled like barf. I almost hit deer two or three times. It was the most crazy tiring. I was getting all the car every hour to stretch, but those, we took so many photos on that drive and those memories that we sit back, we developed those pictures, those, you, those memories that one day when I'm gone, my kids will still be talking with those memories. So I think those are so special to build those, those road trips, build a connection with your kids that you can't get anywhere else. Sitting in a tight car, uncomfortable. Some kids are whiny. Sometimes you're happy. Sometimes you're singing. Sometimes you're pissed. It's just that those memories are so special. So I, I, I love, love road trips with the kids. Hundred percent, and you really you get a time stamp on each town that you go to. And for yeah. me, life's about uh, connecting with with old friends, you know, yeah. and making those memories. So we would see different high school, college friends uh, across our travels. And my daughters, 
would start to say, I can't do it anymore. I can't go to the next city. I'm saying goodbye to the, this group of people I've hung out with for three or four days, you know, so kind of bringing them into my world a little bit and introduce them to all of my great friends. That is what life's about for me. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I haven't asked this question in a while. I used to ask this question to guests. If something were happening today, in a few words, how would you want to be remembered or described by your loved ones? Oof. Um, I mean, I think uh, I think it's kind of how Clemente is remembered. I tell Roberto Clemente's story to every kid I meet, and and he. Uh, when he wasn't playing baseball, he would find airplanes and 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 load them up with gifts and give to others. And he just that's uh, it's why 50 years after he's he's gone, uh, we're we're still talking about number 21 uh, is his impact on other people. I think I think on top of of being a very present and um, and fun dad, uh, it, it would be he 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 he. He impacted others, and 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 in a, in a world that is uh, is really tempting to be mean and negative and 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 sad and anxious and depressed. Uh, this this guy brought a smile. Uh, he he worked to bring smiles to to faces uh, and and impact them and and give them a good laugh. I think that'll do. I love it. I love it. I love it. Anything you want to leave our audience with today? Oh man, I'm good. This was fun. I, I loved uh, chatting with you about fatherhood and, and, and youth sports and you're doing a good thing, Jeff. Thank you. I appreciate it. But when, when's your book coming out? When do you plan? Well, to we'll go? see. I, I need some accountability. I, uh, I've, I'm completing the manual on how to run your own sandlot to get the, get those franchise coaches, uh, going. Um, and then my, uh, my, what my friends have taught me, um, I don't think it'll take long. You know, I've got about uh, 25 folks that have, have given me, uh, you know, just little quotes that I live by each day uh, to be a good dad and, and a good husband, a good coach. And I think it'll really help folks. So uh, just just keep pushing me to yeah, do that. I love quickly. it. I love it. I did. I did uh, when the. Um, I, I, like I said, I do application rentals. I do commercial rentals. I do all kinds of other stuff on my other businesses. And I run a couple of little online businesses. But when the pandemic hit, um, a couple of my businesses slowed down. So our business selling martial art and boxing equipment is directly wholesale to gyms. We design and manufacture stuff. The gym's all closed. So we're like, oh, okay, I got a little time now. And I've always wanted to write a book. And I took pen to paper. And within uh, 12, not even 12 weeks, I wrote a book. And it's called nice. back there. It's called Entrepreneurial Dad, which became actually number one seller in eleven categories. And then when my dad passed away, I wanted somebody to keep his memory going, and I wrote uh, two books in memory of him. And they're just uh, one of them is called Strawberry Hill: A Lesson of Gratitude, and it's Grandpa Joel's Adventures. And it's my son, my daughter, with my dad. And uh, and then the second one I did was uh, Kindness Goes a Long Way, and they're just lessons and all the all the all the proceeds go to Sick Kids Hospital, which is um, an incredible pediatric hospital in Toronto, Canada. So, well done. So it, it, it's a process, but you have to go going through it. You have to just, I'm going to block in time and that's it. Whether it's early morning or late night and it, it's, I, you got to dedicate yourself. It's blocking time. That's the only way I did it. I would say, okay, an hour, four days a week, 
that's my time to slot in my schedule. And that's all I'm doing is writing. And then once in a while, if you think of an idea, you just put it into your phone, but it was just like that. And especially you that you said you have these incredible stories and lessons already. It'll be so easy to put together. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you for, uh, for the inspiration. That's awesome. Well done. This is a, how did you quick question too? How did you meet Brad? Yeah, he just uh, found me on TikTok, and and, and is he not is he not incredible for somebody that's at? I, I know. it's crazy for somebody that's at that was at that level. Like you're talking yeah. about Super, Super Bowl, Bowl winning quarterback, not Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl winning quarterback. Which is yeah, there are only one per team, and there's one every year. Like this is such a good dude. I've become Big really Brad. good. I've been really become. Uh, friends with him we talk a bit. i mean just a good human being such a good and yeah he's, he said and i'm passing through his town in georgia to uh to run a sandlot late august and he's like don't get a hotel you're staying with me we'll, we'll cook you a nice di- dinner and he's just a great guy just an incredible 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 person man. next time in toronto i'd love to uh, i'd love to uh, meet with you and, and and set up something and, and like i said i'm pretty connected in the baseball community here so i could probably help you out there and help you connect something and work on something so uh yeah let's, right let's keep this conversation going and when you have your book out i'd love to have you back on and anything you need from my side just let me know and uh I appreciate it. This has been a fun conversation. I, I don't, I don't get to talk baseball much on this podcast because we do a lot of entrepreneurs. We do a lot of celebrities, influencers, and uh, we get a lot. Like, I don't know if you've researched the podcast or not, but um, we've got a little over 2 million views in the last downloads and views in the last 12 months. Like this exploded in Canada. Exploded. Well done. So yeah, um, it's, it's been, fun. it's been just for fun. Like I literally just have fun with it. And exactly you with your TikToks like you don't put you don't put an angle to it. You just go out there, have conversations, have fun, put it out there. And and if people want to listen, they listen. I had that mindset from day one because I didn't need to do it financially. And and it's just is taken on a world of its own. So I have I have so much fun with it. And then and then a lot of people we we I'm getting a lot of my guests are just like like Brad is like you got to meet this guy. You need to have it. And it just and you start building this network. And I love networking. That's another thing I do. I, I think networking is such an important tool for people to do. Network and build your community and build your everybody around you. So everything about this podcast has been absolutely fun. So and you do it as well. So I'm I'm, I'm assuming you have the same idea with it as well. Yeah, and it's really just a, a life giver for me and my pal Chad Chop. We 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 said we got to make youth sports better. We got to yeah. make youth coaches better coaches and youth parents more educated parents, so we can make the kids better kids. And you know he knows the Mookie Betts and the Dave Roberts and the Clayton Kershaws of the world, so he would bring them in, and I'd bring in some of my friends. And I, I think we brought in some of the best. I mean, the biggest names in baseball, that's for sure. And they're all saying the same thing: make it fun, play multiple sports. The same. Uh, message we're trying to preach. So, what's your what's it, your podcast it, called? It's called Talk and Shop with Coach Ball Game and Coach Chop, and you can find it wherever you find your podcasts. But uh, it's the same thing. It's a life giver for us. We need it every week just to just to see each other and 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 chat and <laughs> I love ma- it. Make that impact like you. I think impact is, is tastier than than dollar bills. Hundred percent, hundred percent. This has been awesome, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.